Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. And we're happy to be back with you for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable with myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, and of course, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, John Rush. Gentlemen, how are you today? Hi, Bob. Well, Bob, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Looking forward to another week. And, you know, obviously we're getting closer and closer now to the election. Uh, Donald Trump's starting to do some rallies. Joe Biden occasionally coming out of the bunker like the groundhog to answer a couple of questions and run back in. And we'll see what happens. But one of the things that I've noticed, and we're going to talk about in this week's podcast, is the incredible level of media bias that really does exist and how powerful and powerfully influential the media can be as, I'm going to call it like it is, a propaganda arm for Joe Biden and for the Democrats right now. It does appear that they are actively working overtime to try to help Joe Biden get in the White House and unseat Donald Trump. Now, some people feel like, oh, that's not true. That's exaggerated, hyperbole. I don't think so. But we're going to be diving no, no, into real, that. Real, Bob, I want to jump in real quick. Yes. I think what you just said there is very key because what they're doing is to really counter what happened the last go around in 2015-16 with all of the free press Trump ended up getting. I think they're purposely trying to counter what happened in 2016 by what you just said. Yeah, and, you know, and it's interesting, though, because – all the quote-unquote free press that Trump got in 2016. I know people say, oh, bad press is still press. You know, anything anything negative, the press is still press and it's always good. No, it's not if you're constantly being smeared and attacked. And the press that he got was, hey, he's a Russian spy. He's a Russian asset. Uh, and all of the attacks, again, he's a racist and, and everything else. So I, you know, they do they give a lot of press to him? Yes, they do. But when it's 95% negative and it's attack, 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 and smear, constant smears, then I don't, you know, I, I don't see that as productive at all. And so it seems to me that that's what they've been doing. They've been actively basically running commercials for Joe Biden against him, but, but disguising themselves as objective news journalism. And that, to me, is what makes my eye twitch about this whole thing. Mm -hmm. a, a, and you're absolutely right. I mean, what they did in 2016, and now they're trying, oh, well, hey, we want to try. Oh, it's like, give me a break, people. We can see through your feeble Jedi mind tricks. A perfect example of this is what we just saw, the, the hot story over the course of the last week or so, this story in The Atlantic, where their editor-in-chief of The Atlantic writes this piece citing, uh, according to him, four anonymous sources claiming that in 2018 that President Trump, when he was in France, that he declined to visit the World War I cemetery memorial there uh, because, A, it was raining and he didn't want to get his hair messed up, and then, B, he said the cemetery is filled, filled with a bunch of losers and a bunch of suckers anyway. And then add to that, there was going to be a military veterans event, and he wanted to make sure that there weren't any wounded veterans there, okay, because it might look bad for optics or whatever. And I think about a story like this, an anonymous sources who would bring something like this to a publication like The Atlantic. And it just, it seems like on its 
face. This sounds like a tabloid story. Uh, if, oh, if come I'm, on, Bob. The Atlantic uh, is a very well-known conservative, <laughs> hardcore press exactly. journalistic entity mm-hmm. that only reports on good, solid news on a daily basis. Bob, come right. on. I know. It's the National <laughs> Enquirer Atlantic, you know. And, but, but you would think w- there would be just a modicum of journalistic integrity to say, okay, wait a minute here. This, this doesn't even pass the remote smell test. This doesn't get us past tabloid status, so we're certainly not going to run with this. But you know what? They ran with it. And then the rest mm-hmm. of the mainstream press treated it like it was some kind of a legitimate story. Meanwhile, every, every, every single person that was in the room when the decision was made to cancel the event has now come out on the road. Well, with the exception of John Kelly, but his aide came out and said no. But everybody else that was in the room said, this is baloney. It never happened. But Guys, this is what really strikes me about this, and this is what I want to throw out on the table first. Uh, It's not even plausible of an accusation against Trump. There are certain things that are plausible. If The Atlantic wrote a story saying, hey, you know, Donald Trump made some kind of sleazy, sexist comment about some good-looking woman, okay, uh, or he was talking about how important money is or or whatever, uh, I could be like, okay, well, I don't know if he said it or not, but that is, is at least consistent with the past of his DNA. But something like this, I don't care how much you hate Donald yeah. Trump, to think that he would denigrate dead veterans uh, and and call them a bunch of losers, veterans dead in their graves, nothing about Donald Trump, even the worst of Donald Trump, no. doesn't fit that ever. narrative at all. By the way, ever, yeah, by the way, ever, even all of the past transgressions that the man's had, never once has he ever, you know, uh, belittled anyone in the military ever. Right. Okay, well, now let me step in there a second. Here's the counter argument that the liberals have been bringing out, okay? The John McCain factor. They say that, well, now look at how Donald Trump attacked John McCain. And, and of course- Yeah, well, John McCain was a traitor, so who cares? <laughs> he, he attacked John McCain, and here's pretty much what the argument is. John McCain was in the military, and Donald Trump said about John McCain, uh, what makes him a hero? Because he was captured? It doesn't, he's not a hero. I prefer people who weren't captured. Now, that's what Trump said. Uh, Personally, I think that's an absurd argument because John McCain was not at the time a dead veteran, okay? John McCain had consistently attacked Donald Trump, insulted Donald Trump. Donald Trump was a counterpuncher. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump attacked back. So those two were at political war with each other. Nobody says that Donald Trump won't go to political war with somebody who served in the military if they are at war with him politically. Of course Trump is going to counterpunch and fight back. Even though I do think it was inappropriate, including that he Mattis said that. recently, by the <laughs> yeah, way, right, so to your right. point, Bob, he'll 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 go to he'll go to war with anybody that he needs to to try to protect what right. he feels is right for the American public. Right, absolutely. But uh, there's a there's a big difference between President Trump uh, counterpunching in a political war of words with a living person who is a veteran. There's a big difference between that and him supposedly denigrating the graves of a bunch of World War I soldiers. There's no way in the world, guys, that that's even remotely analogous. Well, and can we stop for just one second and talk about the, the McCain situation? I know that's yes. really not, yeah, let's do that. not let's a do hot that. topic today, but I think for people that are listening, so when they're you know sitting around the dinner table or they're around the water cooler, you know, it's a well-known fact that, you know, John McCain, just as a side note for everybody listening, wasn't the best pilot known to mankind. He really wasn't that great in his 
in his service to the country in those respects. And I think if you go look at the, the facts of all of that, not saying that you know him getting captured was a good thing or anything, I'm not, I'm not downplaying any of that, but to Donald Trump's point, he was not the best pilot we had fighting for us at that particular time. And that's a well-known fact, guys. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's deal with regarding the John McCain thing, okay? Even if we want to say, okay, he wasn't a great pilot, maybe he wouldn't, should have been shot down or whatever, okay, if we give John— He crashed planes before he ever went, before he ever went to war, he okay. crashed planes. Okay, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's go ahead and give John McCain the absolute ultimate benefit of the doubt as far as his military service and his flight skills. Even if we gave him the total, complete benefit of the doubt— it doesn't change the fact that there's a lot of the John McCain-Donald Trump feud that the press has been conveniently leaving out, okay? Uh, mm. Yes, True. Donald Trump said, and I do believe it was inappropriate for him to say, hey, he wasn't a hero. I prefer people that weren't captured. Okay. I consider that inappropriate for somebody running for president to say, okay, fine. But here's what the press leaves out. Right? First of all, uh, Trump, after he said that, he realized that that wasn't really right because although he didn't officially say the words, I'm sorry that I said that, he did give multiple statements afterward clarifying and reversing himself and saying John McCain is a hero. He was a hero, captured or not. He used words like brave, hero, heroism. So he used language like that as it relates to John McCain. This is while John McCain continued to attack Donald Trump, and, and by the way, was the deciding vote in the Senate to right. keep Obamacare even right. after he ran for president uh, right. uh, uh, and, and talked repeatedly after Obama got in about undoing Obamacare. So he did that just to spite Donald Trump, and I want to stress this as well, and I will throw it out to you guys on, on the John McCain thing. Uh, John McCain made it a point to, uh, even as he was dying of brain cancer, he continued to attack Donald Trump, but as soon as he was diagnosed with brain cancer, Trump stopped attacking him. So Trump allowed one-way attacks on himself when John McCain had brain cancer. And then McCain specifically said before he died, I don't want Trump at my funeral. Trump went ahead and honored that he put out a really nice and warm statement about his service to this mm -hmm. country and Donald Trump did something that you don't have to do. Trump went ahead and allowed Air Force One to be used to fly John McCain's body from right. Arizona back to Washington, D.C. That's an honor that's not standard protocol. He allowed that anyway, going over and above, ordered flags in America to half staff. Uh, this is what Donald Trump did in response. And all the press has done, guys, is ignore all of that and only hyper-focus on that one cherry-picked inappropriate thing he said originally, mm -hmm. and that becomes the entire Donald Trump-John McCain story. And I don't think that that's fair, quite frankly. I'm, I'll throw it back out on the table. Well, and again, I'll jump in real quick, guys. I want to hear Rogers and Neil's point mm -hmm. on this. I know we got to take a break as well, but real quick. When I said John McCain's a traitor, I don't mean a traitor to the American, you know, to, to well, I, I guess maybe you could go as far as to say to America, given some of the things that he did politically speaking, but he's definitely a traitor to the Republican Party because he was not, in my opinion, a true conservative, a true Republican all the way to the day that he that he died. He, he was a, a rhino. If there ever was a poster child for being a rhino, that was John McCain. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's take a short break. We'll come back. We'll kind of 
put a cap on the John McCain part of this. We want to get Roger and, and Neil in here on this too. And then we'll get back to the Atlantic story and more about media bias as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable with John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, and myself, Bob Duco. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthfullife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truth for Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable with John Rush out of Denver, Colorado, Roger Marsh out of Southern California, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Uh Neil, let me throw this out to you. I mean, what John was saying, and I understand his frustration about John McCain. I mean, I get that. He absolutely, as a Republican, he was a rhino. He uh, was the final vote to uh, to keep Obamacare. And this was after years of him declaring, we must end Obamacare. Uh, so to do this just to spite Donald Trump, I very much disagree with John McCain doing that. But... Uh, I got to say, I am going to push back a little bit uh, to John Rush, John, on some of the harsh rhetoric about his his service to the country in the military, even if he was a bad pilot. I guess I just, I don't know if I want to, and maybe I should be fair to John, G- John, give you a chance to respond, and then we'll throw it over to Neil. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that that it, – it sounds like when it comes to his military service, you have even a worse view than I do. I don't have a problem saying, hey, let's honor his military service. I'm fine with that. Let's honor his service to this country. But let's not feel like we have to honor everything that he did. He absolutely sold out the Republican Party and conservatives in this country, I believe. And, and you know, and that's, your, that's your right to do, Bob. I, I guess maybe my – business acumen and the fact that I've employed, you know, individuals for the past, you know, 35 years, and I have a deep respect for those that are in the military, much like Donald Trump. But I'm also a realist. I also know that everybody that's in the military maybe isn't really the top guy for the job. They ended up in the military for whatever reason. It's great. I'm glad they're serving our country. I'm not going to ever take anything away from them. But I'll be honest with you guys, just because they're in the military doesn't make someone a great person. And I want to make sure that I stand on it. I will stand on that till I go to the grave. I love our military. They're great. I will always honor them. But does that mean those guys are flawless and perfect because they served in the military? Absolutely, positively not. There's a lot of what I will call putzes in the military that, frankly, should have probably went and done something different besides being in the military. And by the way, I would absolutely agree with you that just because you serve in the military, that doesn't make you right about everything on everything, and there are a lot of... Well, and I'll throw one more thing with McCain. The reason why he ended up, and this is a known fact, you know, he had political ties and had, you know, past family members that allowed him to even become in the service where he, you know, where he went anyways. Is that right for the rest of the folks that may have been there and maybe even did better at those particular jobs than John McCain did? But because of John McCain's position family-wise, he ended up farther along than the next. I don't agree with that either, guys. All right. Now, with that said, uh, let's actually, <laughs> it's the turn into John and Bob shows here. Uh <laughs> Neil Boron, let me toss this over to you, Neil, because obviously we're not doing the whole podcast about John McCain, but we did kind of – John McCain became a part of this because it's woven into the Atlantic story and the argument being that, well, it's plausible that Donald Trump would call dead veterans losers because, hey, look at how John McCain was attacked by Donald Trump. 
And my argument is that's not a fair comparison because just because somebody serves in the military doesn't mean that they can't be wrong about things and deserve to be counterattacked politically as Donald Trump did, sometimes very harshly. That doesn't make it plausible that he would actually spit on the graves of World War One or World War Two veterans. Well, I agree. And to just kind of summarize some of what you guys have been talking about here, um, there's a certain decorum, I think, that all of us as Americans employ when we deal with somebody who's in the military. I mean, just picture that you're at, uh, you know, Tiger Stadium or Yankee Stadium or wherever, and uh, they say hey, th- somebody's going to throw out the first pitch today, and it's, you know, uh, first sergeant, somebody or other, and they roll him out in a wheelchair, and he's got two prosthetic legs. People stand and they applaud out of honor, you know, to honor this individual. Now, do we know if he was a, a good you know, member of the military or a bad one, could he have saved his legs by, you know, by being more efficient on the battlefield? I, I don't know, but we don't really ask those questions, and I don't think we should. We don't ask if he's a Republican or a Democrat. We stand and we applaud. We thank him for his service or her service to the country, whatever, whatever the case may be. So generally, I think we want to hold military personnel in high esteem. The whole thing with John McCain, um, I went back and I listened to that conversation from February uh it was 2015, I forget what month, uh, July 2015. Mm-hmm. And he said, Donald Trump said, I supported him for president. Now, he was he was reacting to some pushback from uh, Frank Luntz, who uh, was conducting the interview, for, I think it was on C-SPAN at the Family Leadership Summit. But he said, I supported him for president. I raised a million dollars for him. That's a lot of money. I supported him. He lost. He let us down. But, you know, he lost. So I never liked him much after that. And you could see, now, let me stop for a minute and just say, Donald Trump feeling a little sense of uh, bravado. He's riding the wave. Uh, he had a, a supportive audience there that day. He made a few jokes. People clapped. You could tell that he was on friendly turf as far as most of the people that were in the room, or so it seemed. So he said, okay, so he lost. I never liked him much after that because I don't like losers. But he's a war hero. Uh, oh, he said, but, and then Frank Luntz jumped in. He's a war hero. Um and he said it several times. Finally, Trump said he's a war hero because he got captured. I like people that weren't captured. I, I felt like it was a flippant. Uh, I personally wish he hadn't said it. But on the other hand, he was being pushed and pressured on this thing. And he was kind of riding a, a wave of, you know, popularism and bravado. And he's Donald Trump and he's running for president and the whole thing. And I think he spoke without thinking. All that said, did he actually call him a loser per se? I think what he was referring to was the fact that John McCain lost in his run for president. And so, you know, he somebody wins, somebody loses. Hillary Clinton lost. She was the loser. Uh, Donald Trump won. He was the winner. So I don't make much more of it than that. Um, mm-hmm. He obviously later tried to make some amends with John McCain, but McCain sold him out on the Affordable Care Act. And there was always tension in the room, and there probably are, always will be. But I saw just the other day uh, an article apparently from um, John McCain's son-in-law, who pretty much backed up Trump's version of the story because he took offense at what The Atlantic had done. And, uh, you know, when I saw that John Bolton, the former national security advisor who wrote a book, some kind of an expose, you know, telling all about how horrible Donald Trump is, when John Bolton says, look, this thing never happened. I was there. I was at this event in France. It never happened. That's all the indication I need to see that it's a hoax. Plus, you've got four 
for unnamed sources. So it's going to probably come down to a he said, she said, but it's absolutely unconscionable. And I know we'll talk about media bias later that any reasonable journalist would ever go to press with a story like that when you've got key people who don't even like Donald Trump saying it never happened. It just it doesn't it doesn't pass muster, and it should have never been printed. Absolutely. And, and by the way, Neil, I know we got to take a break here, and uh, so uh, and then we'll get to Roger after that. But so, bottom line, then you don't consider Donald Trump and his comments that he made back in 2015 about John McCain that one time. You don't consider that some kind of an argument to justify the plausibility argument of him actually saying what he's accused of saying in the Atlantic. No, if you're going to make up a story, you've got to base it on something. Mm -hmm. uh, and so because he appeared to be trashing a war hero at one point in his life, although I don't believe that he was, um, I, that's all the justification. Some people need to say, aha, well, then he obviously would have said this because that's the kind of person Donald Trump is. And, you know, I, I know we need to take a break and we'll dig into this a little bit more, but maybe we can do that now because we still haven't heard from Roger Marsh. <laughs> Is Roger, are you even there? Uh, I'm warming up in the bullpen. Okay. <laughs> we, we need right, Roger's well. wisdom to clarify this whole thing for us. All right. Well, he, he's limbering up. I can see his, his arms getting loose. We'll take a break here. We'll be back with more of the National Crawford Roundtable. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gray. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with Neil Boron, Bob Duco, John Rush, and the esteemed Roger Marsh. We've been waiting <laughs> 22 minutes and 50 seconds to hear from him, but it's your turn, bro. You are on the mound. Well, actually, well, he's, I, he's, he's out getting his hair done at Nancy Pelosi's salon. That's right. So, that's but, right. But he, yeah, the salon. Well, they're now officially open here in the People's Republic, but uh, right. yeah, the Nancy's story, that's a, that's a whole different can of worms. Uh, just to echo what uh, everyone's been saying, and it's just been fascinating to have this conversation, and it is possible, uh, people who listen to our programs know, it is possible to be engaged in a conversation and do a lot of listening first, because I think it's helpful to get the different perspectives and the different points of view. Um, it's a really thin argument if you're going to say, okay, we have four unnamed sources, and see, he did it to John McCain, so therefore, you know, this is all plausible. But I think it brings us into what we're going to really dig into in the second half, which is the media bias, the, the complete lack of journalistic integrity. It, it's, it's gone. I mean, it was, it was fading, and you can't blame it all on Donald Trump for crying out loud. You know exactly what you're getting with Donald Trump. You know, as, as you guys have duly noted, if somebody uh, punches, he's going to punch back. I mean, that's, that's the way he, he operates, and we've seen this happen before. And it's not so much about what he says on Twitter as of what he signs in the Oval Office, I think, that really animates all of us in terms of uh, you know, support or lack thereof for the president. In this case here, I mean, the idea, I, I'm looking at two different sides of the issue saying, okay, you got all these reporters saying, you know, four unnamed sources, and they're totally good with that. Then you find at least four other people who are actually in the room who will go on record saying, I'm John Bolton, and that never happened. I mean, mm -hmm. this is so easy. And Bolton to hates out. Trump. And, and, 
I mean, right, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. If he can't stand the guy and even he will acknowledge that it didn't happen, then how on earth, I mean, we know that the Atlantic is certainly not going to be William F. Buckley's uh, National Review, but, mm. I mean, there's no way that you can run this story unless it's just a hit piece. And the sad thing about it is you go to your Google searches, guys, or whatever, Yahoo, whatever you're looking for search, and all you find is page after page after pages. Trump looks disoriented. Trump's on the right. ropes. Trump's falling apart. And, and if people get a steady diet of that, over time, you just you put it in autopilot and say, okay, well, I know what I'm going to get here, and this is exactly what it is. And I think that's the, the larger yeah. issue that, w that we all see here as media people. And can I jump in as well? And, Bob, we didn't talk at all about this. I don't feel like I'm the guy necessarily to detail what Donald Trump has done for our nation's military, but he essentially rebuilt a military that was dismantled during the Obama years. Mm -hmm. um, and what he's done for veterans and you know, in dealing with VA hospitals and making sure that they're getting proper treatment and stuff – it certainly uh, tells a different story than what the media is trying to portray by by saying that he doesn't care about the military; they're all losers, et cetera. It's it, the story never happened, and it's not true. Right, and no, Trump no, fact, is Trump has been phenomenal for the vets. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. In fact, just you know the the, and I know a lot of military guys at the top, which is part of what we're going to talk about, and part of what I think is even maybe driving some of this is yeah, Trump is in a lot of ways anti-war. He doesn't feel like we should be fighting wars just to fight wars. It's part of what's going on right now, even with some of the top military brass, which, you know, as much as I'm not in the military, but I know enough about some of what goes on in the military that we all know there are people at the top that because of their stance on whatever, they just like they like wars. They like the spending. They like being in the battle. They like all of the action that surrounds that. And in some of these guys' case, guys, they would they would probably be at war forever if, if somebody like a Donald Trump would allow them to be. What he's actually doing for all of the folks that are in the military is saying, wait a minute, guys, time out. We, we need a time out. And no, we don't need to be fighting all these wars all over and having our, our men and women come back in caskets. Let's clean this up and go a different direction. You would think they would all be celebrating that. In right. Super Bowl 25, the New York Giants took apart the Buffalo Bills for one reason. They hung on to the football. The Kagon offense under Jim Kelly never got on the field to play. Right. And so the, the best defense is a really good offense. And I think having a powerful military is the best way to make sure you never get into conflicts because nobody wants to mess with you. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but there was an announcement. I think it was either this morning or last night that uh, Trump wants to bring home even more military personnel from Iraq and from Afghanistan. So it underscores what John just said. He doesn't want to be involved in military conflicts around the world, but he wants to have a strong defense at home. Right. And I don't think anybody can question what he's done for uh, the VA. He really has cleaned house in the VA. Uh, he has fought hard to make sure that veterans get a decent pay raise. Uh, the the health care choice that they can go to now, I mean, veterans can go to the doctor of their choice and the VA picks up instead of having to just go to a VA hospital, which have been so mismanaged and poorly operated for so long. Of course, the helpline now, the 24-hour helpline for the vets. So I, it just it doesn't pass the the smell test that Trump would denigrate the 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 uh, the veterans in the way that he's accused of in the story. But it just shows that the, the the press is willing to run with something like this. ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, and all the rest of them they treated this as though it was a legitimate story instead of a tabloid story, which kind of brings me to to the point of of media bias here and and how powerful the press is uh, and how dishonest they are in functioning as 
for all intent and purposes, a propaganda arm of the Democratic Party and Joe Biden. Now, I know when we get into the second half, we're going we're gonna to talk some more about that. But just real quick before we get to the, to the uh, bottom of the hour, just want to let you folks know, uh, when we get into the second half, we are going to talk specifically about the level of bias that does exist against Donald Trump on behalf of the Democrats, but especially against Donald Trump. And what do we do with this? What, what do we, how do we even view freedom of the press anymore? So there's a lot of these things to talk about. We'll talk about it on the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. You can listen to the second half online by subscribing to Apple Podcasts. And if you do, we'd love it if you'd give us a nice big fat five-star review. Uh, you can listen at Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. You can also go to Crawford.live. And there's all the archives there. You can listen to past podcasts as well. Uh, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. Uh, we will continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. We're talking about media bias. Kind of kicked off the discussion with the absurd Atlantic story. Uh, claiming from anonymous sources that Donald Trump somehow was uh, saying that dead soldiers in France were quote losers, and he didn't want to uh, didn't want to go out to get his hair messed up and whatever, which is just an absurd story on its face. But the media went ahead and ran with it. Furthermore, uh, Bob, real quick, just to jump yeah. in on that as well. Furthermore, we all know that if that had really happened. Would it be, you know, some two years later right. that we now start hearing about it? Of course right. not. Not a Come chance on, in the world. John, first no. of all, John Bolton himself, we want to remind everybody. Hated Trump. Hated, hated, hates Trump, okay, wrote an anti-Trump book uh, basically in a disgruntled way saying, here's all the different ways I hate Donald Trump. Even John Bolton the other day said, I was there if he had said something like this, trust me, it would have been a chapter in my book, okay? And so, no, it, it's, it's absurd. But I, I do want to talk with you guys about the, the level of media bias against Donald Trump. We know that the press for a long time has been left-wing, liberal, and, and such. Okay, fine. But I've noticed something amazing over, just over the last few years, four or five years, the media, at least from my observation, guys, they don't even try to hide their bias anymore. It used to be that they would camouflage mm -hmm. their bias mm -hmm. in subtly, you know, where it, little things like if they're referring to to a Republican's policies, they would call them right-wing policies, where if they're referring to a Democrat policies, they would merely call them mm -hmm. policies. Or the, the Republican who tends to be more of a centrist guy, He's referred to a moderate Republican, suggesting that a normal Republican is far to the right. Whereas if you have a Democrat who's more moderate and centrist, they're not referred to as a moderate Democrat. They're referred to as a conservative Democrat, suggesting that being Democrat naturally puts you in the center. And so these are the kind of subtleties that the press used to do. Now, they're not even, they're not even being subtle about it. You watch, you watch the mainstream news and I got to tell you, I'm having a hard time seeing any difference between Jake Tapper analysis on CNN and Rachel Maddow 
analysis on MSNBC. I can't tell the difference anymore. They're not, they're not even trying to hide it. And I'd just like to get you guys' take on this as we kind of throw it around. John Rush, maybe let's start with you. The press for some 50-plus years, and I think a lot of this goes down to the communist you know, uh, operanda, if you would, in the, you know, what they really said initially was they would take this country over and they'd never have to fire a shot and they would use the press and other things to actually make that happen. And I think you're seeing the results of that today. I mean, it's been since I was, since we were all kids, you've been watching this, this propaganda machine of the left continue to drive forward. Has it gotten much worse and much more blatant in recent years? To your point, Bob, yes, it has. But let's face it, the media has been an arm of the Democrat Party for some 50 plus years now. Right, that they have. Uh, Roger Marsh, what's your take on this and, and the, the issue of media bias? Because believe it or not, you actually have liberals like Media Matters, who tries to argue that there's a right-wing media bias in this country, which, like the Atlantic story, is absurd on its face. But uh, some of your observations about the level of media bias now against especially Trump. Well, I, I, can't, uh, I can't recall a time when we've had this kind of bias against a president because uh, we haven't ever had this before. I mean, even when those who were accusing uh, those on the conservative side of the equation for being anti-Obama all the time, when you look at the media outlet he, outs that were available, he had plenty of opportunities in the media to back up his own play. There might have been one or two really mainstream ones that were focusing hard, maybe Breitbart, Drudge, Fox News. Mm -hmm. But I came across an article this morning in The Hill, which is not even close to being conservative i'd say maybe it's center left moderate at best every now and again they uh you find a couple of uh, we blind squirrels find a couple of acorns with them but they posted an op-ed piece from jonathan turley who is kind of in the alan dershowitz camp you know more of a center left a classic liberal as opposed to a leftist and even he said look okay you've got a problem with the media his article is called uh, the article on donald trump leaves us with a sad tale over trust and he says, you know, the problem is, on the one hand, Trump has made such a long line of unbelievable comments, et cetera, et cetera, that he's kind of cut his own tr credibility. But at the same time, the media have done the same things to themselves. And so it's, the question now is, who do you believe? And he said, you know, 20 years ago, if George W. Bush makes a statement like something that Trump has said, people would just say, well, that's ridiculous, and they would move on. And yet, three years ago, a story like this would have been devastating for a president, but the media has become so unbelievable now. That, that quite frankly, and he, start, he cites some statistics with regard to people who believe 75%, according to the Knight Foundation, 75% of the public believe that the media is too biased. 54% believe that reporters regularly misrepresent facts. And guys, we read a lot of stories every day. You know how easy it is to just say, well, here's someone, and I can read entire stories now that have no hyperlinks whatsoever. It's all rhetoric. There, there's no, there's no, according to this study, you can click on the link and look at the study. There's none of that now. It's just like, mm -hmm. well, we all know Trump's a racist. We all know Trump's a bigot. We all know. And I'm thinking, wait, those, those that phrase, we all know, can be one of the most dangerous phrases in the English language. So in terms of the bias against the president right now, um, yeah, whether you love the guy or hate the guy, I mean, he, he he's facing incredible, he's actually probably the only man in America who could stand up to this kind of media scrutiny and uh, still come away unscathed. I think this is yet another of the endless succession of hit pieces we're going to see through November the 3rd. And the question is, will the American people fall for it? Yeah. What's your take, Neil? Well, my take is that I agree with what you guys are saying for the most part, and I don't really have much to disagree with, but let me let me just share another angle here. Uh, I sometimes get accused from friends and others, you know, of talking too much about the issue of grace on my radio show. 
But, you know, I, I grew up in a very legalistic environment, as did John. We've heard, you know, from him about that. And, um, and so there's a pushback mechanism that goes off in me. However, the reason I always feel comfortable talking about grace is because I think that, that Christianity is largely leans toward legalism. You know, do more, try harder kind of Christianity, right. without right. external religion-based kind of stuff, as opposed to the simple message of the gospel and the grace of God that's available for anyone, including sinners and enemies of God. Um, so, okay, so the, so I'm just saying that to set up what I'm about to say here. I think that, that we also need to be careful in Christian media that we don't, you know, it's the speck and the beam kind of thing that Jesus talked about in Matthew 7 and or Luke 6 or something like that. But I mean, it was, we, do, do we ever talk positively about Nancy Pelosi on this show? Um, crickets, okay. <laughs> no. Um, and do we ever say anything really, truly Her negative about... Nice. Okay. <laughs> it's got a nice sheen to it, in all fairness. <laughs> I knew I could count on you guys to figure something out. Okay, but, you know, and I'm not trying to to discount what we do. When I, I covered the political conventions, both Republican and Democratic, in 92, when I was working for Focus on the Family, and in 96, when I was back with Crawford Broadcasting, and uh, actually went there with Al Cresta, the name that folks would recognize in Detroit. Um we covered those conventions, but we were we were given permission to be there, but listed as advocacy media because they saw us as having a bent. We had a slant. We had an agenda. Well, truthfully, all media has become advocacy media. I mean, yeah. the the yeah. mainstream media is in the pocket of the Democratic Party, and it's they're essentially they're working PR for the Democrats. So, uh, so to come back to my statement about grace earlier, I really think I feel justified that we don't spend a ton of time talking about what liberals believe because everyone else tells us what liberals believe and i think we need to kind of balance the scales does it mean we should never be critical of people that we consider you know to to be our own or those who think like us no i think that that we need to examine the speck in our own eyes sometimes and not just look at the the beam and or the log in someone else's so i'm just kind of putting that on us to say that 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 resonates in my heart and yet at the same time Media bias in this country is unbelievable. It's everywhere. And when, all you have to do is go to a press conference sometime, sit and listen to the entire thing, maybe even record it if you want, go home and watch the evening news and find out what the national media are saying about any particular issue. They're obviously putting a spin on it. And if there's some crazy nut job outside who says that he's a Trump supporter, they're going to make sure they quote that guy, right. not the one who has a doctorate from Harvard right. University who supports right. Trump. You'll never hear him quoted right. in that story. That's right. Well Absolutely. Said. Uh, Roger, I know we're going to take a break here in just a minute, but I want to throw something over to you, Roger, and to the rest of the guys as well. Uh, it's it's some actual numbers, some statistics on this, because I, as I mentioned before, media matters and liberals were like, oh, there's really a there's not a left wing bias. If anything else, there's a right wing bias, and so you get liberals and conservatives say, oh, no, they're biased. They're there, but. My thing is, hey, let's let the calculator be the judge, okay? Let's look at the actual numbers, the actual math. Media Research Center, of course, is a conservative media watchdog group. And they actually track the mainstream news media to see for themselves what is the math as far as positive versus negative coverage of both sides. And so here's what they did. They did a two-month analysis from June 1st to July 31st. So the entire month of June, entire month of July. They took two months and they viewed every single second of news coverage on the ABC, NBC, and CBS evening news programs. 
and they wanted to see how much time was devoted to Donald Trump and Joe Biden specifically. And here's what they had. They had 512 minutes of airtime for Donald Trump, uh, 58 minutes to Joe Biden. Now, you could argue Trump is the president. He's going to get more airtime. Okay, fine. Uh, but nine times more when Joe Biden is the nominee, that seems lopsided. But then they tracked what are referred to as evaluative statements. These are statements either from uh, the anchors themselves or journalists or pundits, somebody who's giving an evaluation of that particular candidate, an opinion about them. Here's what they had. With Donald Trump, there were 668 evaluative statements about Donald Trump. 634 of them, or 95%, were negative. So 95% of everything vocalized about Donald Trump in the ABC, NBC, and CBS evening newscast was somebody saying something negative or critical about him. Joe Biden was the opposite. 67% of everything said about him was actually positive. So two-thirds positive versus 95% negative for Donald Trump. Uh, as Media Research Center points out, if you do the math, that means that viewers in America heard 150 times more negative comments about Donald Trump during that two-month window than they heard about Joe Biden. That's not news reporting. That's a negative advertising campaign. And that doesn't include cable news, newspapers, entertainment media, and down the line. But then it gets worse. Roger, I want to throw in a little bit more analysis here. As they point out, Biden's various policy proposals, which by his own admission are more to the left than the Obama administration does, that received a combined total of five minutes and 22 seconds of airtime, and not one second of that had critical analysis from anybody. It was all positive, 100% positive, 0% negative, and not one time has Joe Biden been referred to as left-wing, progressive, or liberal. None of those words. When he outlined his $2 trillion plan to combat climate change on July 14th, he got a combined total of six seconds devoted to that, and that was only on CBS. One final stat. When reporting things that Joe Biden said about Donald Trump, okay, 40% of everything Joe Biden said was something criticizing Donald Trump. However, 0.25% uh, of everything Donald Trump said were criticisms of Joe Biden. So 40% against Donald Trump, 0.25% against Joe Biden. And so when I look at this, and, and I'm sorry, one final thing, the horse race analysis, whenever the media, ABC, NBC, and CBS, whenever they reported on who's got the best chance of winning the presidency here in the horse race, 96% uh, of everything that was said about the, about the campaign regarding Joe Biden was positive in favor of, hey, Joe Biden's doing a great job. 94% of everything about Donald Trump's campaign was negative. So 96% positive for Biden, 94% negative for Donald Trump. Uh, Roger Marsh, I know that's a lot of numbers and stats to throw out there, but my attitude is 
let's set emotion aside. Let's look at the actual calculator to determine is the media truly lopsidedly functioning as a propaganda arm for Joe Biden? And it appears, Roger, that they are. I would agree with you. I want to push back on one issue, though it's not a, a you know a horrible pushback. But right. I think there, I've got a theory as to why this is all happening and why the media may, in fact, actually be secretly rooting for Donald Trump to win. Let's take a break and we'll talk okay. about that. I'm on looking forward to that. As, as the National Crawford Roundtable podcast continues. Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org listen and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast along with Bob Duco, John Rush, and Neil Boron. I'm Roger Marsh here from the People's Republic of California. Um, I, I, Bob, all the statistics, I'm, I'm so grateful to Media Research Center for the fact that they actually have these folks who will spend time staring at screens for the hours and hours and hours that they need to because the reality is we know that our industry doesn't police itself as well as it should. I mean, there, there's all sorts of media bias that goes on, and it's it's perpetuated by these stories. You know, well, we all know that Donald Trump's a this, so here our story here. You know, let's just let's get all the right sound bites out there, and the sound bites will be around forever. And yet, at the same time, I have to wonder: those same people in you know the high towers, you know, who are watching all this and crunching all the numbers and looking at their ad revenue and realizing, hey, as much as we are perpetuating this myth that Donald Trump is destroying America, he's ruining America, that he's the one lighting the fires at courthouses, et cetera, et cetera. He's, he's you know, cr creating these raging infernos in California. At the same time they're watching this, they're also saying, yeah, but our viewers are glued to our, st our stations. They're, they're watching MSNBC with Bre ABC World News Tonight with David Muir is the number one show in America right now. I mean, people just because of coronavirus and because of racial tensions and, of course, because of the election. And there's a part of me that says, hey, we've got shareholders to take care of. And we're making a lot of money over the fact that we are telling everybody and selling everybody on the fact that they should be scared to death of Donald Trump. What happens if he's not in the White House? What happens if he's gone? Four years of this? What, what's a Joe Biden presidency going to look like? Is it going to be that entertaining? Is it going to be, I mean, let's face it, news is entertainment now. Ever since Rune Arledge left ABC's Wide World of Sports and became the head of ABC News, we know that this is all entertainment. Ever since CNN started, this is all about entertainment. It's not even infotainment anymore. It's all entertainment. It's Don Lemon and five other guys trash Donald Trump for an hour. Then Lemon gets out of the chair and Chris Cuomo shows up with five other people and they trash Trump. And boom, 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 boom. It's, it's like championship wrestling for these guys. Yeah, but, so, well, I mean, in, yeah, but, in but how, how do you explain, though, the numbers then, though, if they secretly really like the idea of Trump being in there because, hey, at least it's a carnival show that gives us ratings? What, how, how do you explain the fact that they're going so lopsidedly against him? That, but that's the product, though. The product is he's the bad guy. He's Freddie Blassie, you know, in the ring. You know, he's John Tolos. He's the guy who every he steps in the ring and boo, it's Donald Trump. And and so you and but people keep showing up. Saturday. I'm sorry, I watched a lot of wrestling when I was a kid. <laughs> that stage stuff at the Olympic Auditorium in L.A. But that you know, roller derby, whatever, all those things. They look like they're sports, but they're really not. It's all carefully choreographed. Now they still got to take the hits. I mean, that's what other people forget. The, the Hulk Hogan's of this world really were punching each other in the face and throwing each other on the ground. But they're, they're, it's carefully choreographed as far as they're concerned. The, the 
biggest reason why they were afraid of Donald Trump in 2016 wasn't so much, I think, because they, oh, Donald Trump, what do we do? But they had everything planned out for the next four years of a Hillary Clinton coronation, and it screwed up their business model. So, I mean, I realize that's not all of it, but I think it's a part of it. And so, on the one hand, the, the, the game to them is Donald Trump's the evil, ooh, black cape, you know, here comes Donald Trump. But on the other hand, there's a part of them that says, yeah, but you know what? If he loses, it doesn't really matter because we're putting out, what was it the, uh, in the movie Wag the Dog? We're putting on a pageant here, right? This isn't a war. I mean, and, and so they're, they're, that... That feeds right into all the, the bias, the fact that Joe Biden gets so little screen time, but when he does, it's all positive. And Donald Trump gets so much screen time, but when he does, it's all negative. I, th that's, it's one angle of it, but it's, I think it's one that we're important to pay attention John to. John Rush, what do you say on that? Oh, I wish Roger were correct, but I really feel like the press wants Joe Biden to be president. It's part of their agenda. It's a part of the takeover of America. They know Donald Trump uh, would not allow that. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is a nationalist. They all want globalism. I mean, we, we can just go down the list and some of this we've done on the podcast. And we, real quick, guys, I also know this. We, we got to take a break. Let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. I'll finish my thoughts. And you are listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. And we're back, National Crawford Roundtable, myself, Roger Neal, and Bob, and yeah, and Roger, I love you, but in this case, I've, I've got to disagree because I really do feel like the press wants Joe Biden to be president of the United Actually, I don't think they want Joe Biden. Let me, let me rephrase that. They want Kamala Harris now to be president Agreed. of right. the United Agreed. States. They, yeah. they do not want Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the front man, and we talked about even elder abuse here in the past few episodes of this podcast. If you missed any of that, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. That's why we do this. And, and the reality is, guys, no, they, they, they want a, a Biden, you know, a Harris ticket. They want that to be run. They're going to do everything possible. Uh, it's almost a little early for the October surprise with what we're going through right now with the Atlantic. Uh, I, I don't even want to say reporting the Atlantic story. Let's just call it what it is. It's a story. It's not a news story. Even it is a fabrication. It's a story. That's all it is. And it makes you wonder what is going to come in October, or is this just what they're trying to do early and, and sort of keep coming at the American public with these types of stories? Is this going to be almost a weekly occurrence now? To Rogers, I think Roger O'Neill said it earlier, a weekly occurrence all the way up to uh, the election. I don't know, but let me, let, me, let me just say this. This is one of those tools in their toolbox that they're unleashing to try to make sure Donald Trump doesn't win the election. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I would certainly agree. Which then, uh, which then begs the question: How do we even, how do we even view the issue of freedom of the press? I, I'd like to get you guys' take on this because I'm, I'm a, I'm a constitutionalist. I believe, and we we got to honor the Constitution, of course. And and so I'm, I've never been a guy to say, hey, let's start taking away constitutional freedoms. Okay, we have freedom of speech, we have freedom of the press. But then it occurs to me. Well, there are always limits to 
to our freedoms anyway. Like, you know, we have freedom of speech, but let's be honest, guys, there's certain things we cannot say uh, over the airwaves or of our own respective shows. Uh, you in the, all the classics, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, okay? I mean, even a pastor from the pulpit is not allowed to yell fire from his pulpit and, and create a danger and hazard to people. So there, there are limits in what we can say. Same thing with the press. Uh, theoretically, uh, the press is not allowed to give free advertising to one candidate and deny it to the other, even though they do it anyway. But they're not allowed to overtly do this. Uh, where so, so there are limits to that anyway. And it does make me wonder, what do we do with the reality that the Democrats, the Democratic Party, they have billions of dollars of free advertising commercials that they're in essence able to get packaged as news on cable and mainstream news media. When you've got 95% negative stuff being said about Donald Trump in the evening news, those are campaign commercials. Those are attack yes, ads that are. the campaign's not having to pay for. So really, you have the equivalency of Donald Trump having to spend a billion dollars to get his message out, Joe Biden spending a billion plus, thanks to his August haul, uh, add to that probably another 10 or $20 billion in what's referred to as earned press that he gets in free advertising. Is it time, dare I say, I can't believe I'm even asking this question, do we need to consider uh, a larger role in government oversight and regulation of the media and even possibly big tech as it relates to uh, political reporting. Yes, and, and I, I this actually probably is a whole nother show in and of itself, Bob, because we start talking about you know censoring on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and all these other places that we call platforms, which are no longer platforms. And I think there needs to be a serious discussion on what is a platform, what do they allow, and, and not allow. And by the way, as Christians, one thing that we have to remember, if we're going to allow something to continue to be a platform, some of what they even put out that some of us would call offensive will have to be allowed. Otherwise, it's no longer a platform for, you know, for, for people to post whatever they would like to have posted. That includes pictures and sayings and so on. But what we've got right now, guys, and this is why I think it's a whole discussion in and of itself, is we've got... Facebook, YouTube, Google, on down the line, that are really censoring and driving things the direction that they want to see things go politically speaking, not morally speaking, politically speaking only, guys. And I think that's a discussion that we could really dive into down the road, because in my opinion, yes, we need to fix that. Hmm. Yeah, let me say? jump in. I, I think the uh, to go back to the previous question, the mainstream media sees what's happening right now as a win-win, because if Donald Trump wins, they still have him to attack if Biden wins, they get everything they ever wanted, uh, plus the candy store, you know, in terms of uh, progressive liberal ideology. So I think they see it as a win-win. Now, on this particular issue you guys are talking about, um, I, I think, well, Donald Trump put out an executive order in May. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but it was called Executive Order on Preventing Online Censorship. It came from the White House. And it addressed some of this because the bottom line is if if a platform isn't like a blank billboard where people can go and freely express their views, then the platform provider, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, essentially at that point becomes a publisher and they ought to be held accountable and be liable for things like slander and whatever else. I mean, the point is that, that they, there's some culpability then all of a sudden because their content 
producers. When they decide what can't go in, they're deciding what will go in, and it makes them the producers of actual political content. So, uh, but anyway, there was, I mean, the executive order, I don't know if it has any teeth, really, but it did address this. And um, I thought it was a step in the right direction. But to answer your question, yes, I think the government is going to need to be involved because ultimately it's a constitutional issue and it'll probably end up in the courts. But everyone needs to be aware of the fact that true freedom of speech is eroding given the fact that you're right, Bob, there's certain things we can't say, can't yell fire in a crowded room kind of thing. Uh, you can't say or publish things that are obscene or patently offensive. But the bottom line is I think that some of these companies are beginning to look at anything Donald Trump says as obscene and patently offensive and they feel they can get away with it. It's just that they've redefined what's obscene and what's patently offensive and it has everything to do with conservatism uh, and conserv conservative values. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair point. Uh, Roger, what's your take on that? Yeah, agree. Uh, echoing with what Neil said, I mean, we're... The, all of our conversations invariably wind up at this point, don't they? The fact that there's a value system for leftists and progressives, there's a value system for conservatives, there's a value system for Christians. And when we look at the values that have shaped this nation and have been the anchor of this nation in a what you might call Christian America, where the Bible was revered and God was honored and that type of thing, we are now in not post-Christian but anti-Christian America. And so, of course, not saying that Donald Trump is the poster child for Christian America, but rather saying that if anybody who espouses anything that looks like biblical values now it's no longer just a, we'll pat them on the head and they'll go away it becomes an issue of no you guys are the enemy and it's so interesting how those of us you know human beings who are walking the face of the earth who have this innate god-given you know god's natural law sense of right knowing the difference between right and wrong the question isn't that there's a difference between the two. The question is, what is your standard for it? And so now here we are at, in, in, facing an election where, and I'm sure all of us are probably scratching our heads going, can you imagine, could you have imagined four years ago that we'd be sitting here saying, yes, we need to vote for a guy like Donald Trump because that's going to preserve more biblical values than anybody the Democrats <laughs> can throw at. But that's where America is right now. And so, you know, it's, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And, and to Neil's point too, the media is sitting here looking around going, this is great, pass the popcorn. We win either way. You know, they, they, they have no interest in telling the truth anymore they've just every interest in, in profiting off of how they report what's actually going on and 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 the, the more we in the body of christ engage in the culture we have to be mindful of that otherwise we're going to be standing there saying yes but truth justice in the american way and people are just going to steamroll right past us all right very interesting discussion gentlemen uh it's another podcast behind us and i know there's going to be more certainly to talk about uh, in the future and in future podcasts about media, media bias, government regulations, things like that. So, uh, but a very interesting discussion. And I just want to encourage everybody listening as well. Uh, we would love for you to uh, rate the podcast, if you would. Give us a nice five-star review. We'll gladly take it. You can listen online at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can also go to Crawford.live, and you can check out all the archives of past uh, archives as well. And Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Roger Marsh from the bottom line out of the People's Republic of California. Myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Gentlemen, always great catching up with you. Looking forward to next week. Thanks, Bob. Likewise, God bless. Bob, yeah. Yeah, thanks. See everybody. God bless, folks. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. 
National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.